Hello, gang. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle, my co-host, Rachel Santizo. Good morning. Our guest is Courtney. We will introduce him in a second. And I'm angry today. What's going on, Randall? Well, I came across a news story, and it was like, what? What? Uh, it's from CNN, and the headline is an increasing number of states are moving to decriminalize fentanyl test strips. And I thought, what in the hell is going on? It's, they, they've been legal in Utah for several years now. Yeah. And why in the world would you, criminal, would you make it a crime to have a fentanyl test strip? What is the purpose of it? I, I never even heard that there's charges for I, I can't for believe them. it. And the state distributes them. We do at our Mart- Martindale Clinic. Right. And for those of you watching, a fentanyl test strip is part of harm reduction. It right. sort of accepts the fact that there are people out there who are doing drugs and will continue to do drugs. Yeah. But more people are dying from fentanyl overdoses, from fentanyl being mm-hmm. put into the drugs. So we hand out these test strips that have... They, they don't have any drugs on them or anything. You can't get high. And you test a little batch of your heroin uh, to see, or, or meth or whatever, yeah. and it shows whether there's a level of fentanyl in it. And right. then you can use your own judgment about whether you want to shoot up a whole bunch and die or maybe mitigate because you have or fentanyl. Or use less, right. And so why would a state outlaw fentanyl test strips? Right, and really... A, a lot of drugs are actually being laced with fentanyl. Yeah, absolutely. Even marijuana. Not, yeah, not just heroin. I mean, so it's on. a lot of people are dying because of fentanyl. So people, why would you? wake up. I know. If, if you're watching this and you live in a state where fentanyl mm-hmm. test strips are outlawed, call your legislators and tell them how stupid they are. Right. What, how do I feel I, about this? I feel pretty strong. I mean, good. I support I, you. I, I never used IV drugs or anything. Mine was alcohol, but What's maybe up? they'll start putting fentanyl in alcohol. I don't uh, know. Who's to say? And I think it's every. It's that whole discussion about harm reduction. You know, people being against harm reduction. I know. So it's syringe exchanges, things yeah. like that. People, we'd rather have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to accept the fact drugs have been around forever. Drug addicts have been around forever. But more and more people are dying because of fentanyl. So harm reduction simply says we're not advocating you doing drugs. Right. But we do want to keep you alive. And possibly someday you'll seek, uh, you'll seek treatment. You right. Know. Right. And, and want to wanna, wanna recover. Speaking of recovery... <laughs> You know, I'm really I, proud of you. I, you I like I, this you side and I are, of you. Yeah, that was a good transition. <laughs> I wasn't know it? that was. Uh, you and I have been uh, in recovery for ten years now, right? Yep. And there are people that I've seen at AA meetings and everything. And at AA meetings, we f- refer to it as dry drunks. Yeah. Uh, and it's people who just, for one reason or one way or another, mm-hmm. stop doing whatever it is they were addicted to, and they're so they're technically sober, but they're not happy. Right. right, like stagnant and, is what yeah, I, I was like. Saying. Every day is like, God, I want a drink, but I'm not going to have a drink. Right. Courtney Beckstead <laughs> is one of the <laughs> finest examples of somebody who is not a dry drunk because I, <laughs> I have never seen you looking unhappy. You, there must be times when you're down, but you're ha- you seems like you're happy all the time. Of course. Why? Just try to. It's it, as long as you stay happy. I mean, kind of makes your life go better. You know, I mean, it just, 
why 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 pay attention to your problems? You know, why to why worry about that kind of stuff? And, and, and so tell us tell us your story about when when you were fighting addiction and then how you how you recovered and what you're doing now. So you want me to start from the start or what? Well, how far back does it go? <laughs> the so 1800s? I, no. <laughs> Close. I was a drug addict in the 1800s. No, so I started, well, because I started, I didn't do drugs at a young age. I actually went on an LDS mission. And wow. so uh, when I was 19. Okay. And I served the whole two years. I wanted to come home about three months into it. But I served the whole two years, came home, and... It was good for about a year, and then I was going out being like a designated driver with my brother, and so I decided to, um, they found out, or I was drinking like Cokes, they were drinking like alcoholic beverages, so for 50 cents more, I could have got a little crown or jack in my Coke, so okay. I basically sold myself to the devil for 50 cents. <laughs> yeah. um, so you started drinking So I started at drinking what, at about 20? 22. Oh, Okay. And it was not shortly after that, like about 23 years old, I got into meth pretty bad. Um, started stealing cars. I mean, I had, I was, got into drug court in like 2003. And I had like seven different felonies for stolen cars, forgeries. I mean, you name it. Um, was it curiosity? I mean, that was just... I think it was. Yeah, that's a hell of a transition from Mormon <laughs> yeah. missionary to stealing cars For and doing that. Cents. Oh, yeah, it's it's a crazy story, man. I mean, it's wild. It's been a, quite a ride. But, yeah, it all started with that drink, you know, and then yeah. it just... I knew what meth was, and I'd had the temptations to do it, and I'd turned it down a lot. And then I was like, what the hell? I have not seen this side of life. Yeah. I think it was curiosity. Mm. And so I... Like I said, I had all these charges. I got into drug court. Should have learned then. Didn't learn my lesson. Um, you know, I mean, in drug court, they like to scare you with the, all the charges that you have. So I think with all my charges, I was, had like 67 max years in prison. Whoa. <laughs> and so needless to say, I completed drug court. I didn't <laughs> mess around. I, I think I drank on it. But obviously, I can't think. Yeah. I think, but... Um, yeah, I didn't do drugs or anything. I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't, the prison time didn't look appealing to me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And so after that, I kind of got into like um, a toxic, not kind of, I did. I got into a toxic relationship and it is my children's mother. But um, so after drug court, I got sober. I was so obviously sober during that time. And then I'd met her and got back into drugs. How old um, she, were you? This was about 20, 26, 26 okay. years old when I met her. Um, and I got back in. She, was, she talked to me about pills. And so I started mm. taking pills. And, of course, that's basically opened my mind. Oh, I remember. So I used to do meth, you know. The pills opened it up, and so I started doing meth. Then we started doing heroin. And mm. it just rolled out. I mean, we were just doing drugs daily. I mean, I had my grandma, my poor grandma, she was getting, she didn't really have the healthiest doctor prescribing her pills, but he was prescribing her Soma, Xanax, um, I forget the other one, um, and oh, oh, it was oxycodone, Soma, and Xanax, and she had 90 pills each, and <clears throat> we would, I would steal them from her, or take them from her, and it was just, 
I mean, I think back now it's just horrible the things I've done to my little grandma. But um, she I mean, didn't know. She knew. Yeah, she went through it, or she she's been through it with me because we lived with her at the time till we got our own place. But um, we went through all those pills in like a week's time. Whoa! Whether it was taking them or selling them. And then my grandma, when I said she didn't have the healthiest doctor, she went back to her doctor and said they got stolen. And he gave her all new scripts. Which was <laughs> sort of true. <laughs> Which was sort of true, yeah. And, I mean, it just, it's been crazy. I mean, I, I remember times I was doing meth and my grandma wanted me to show her how I did it. <laughs> like how I smoked it on foil. And I'm like, what the heck? I mean, it was crazy going from a Mormon missionary to to this. In less than 10 <laughs> in years. Less than, yeah. Way less than 10 years, yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, did Grandma do meth with you? No, she oh, never cool. did that. Well, I, like, I would can't. not. I'm like, no, this is weird, first of all, showing her. <laughs> and I'm like, we're not doing this. <laughs> no, so Grandma was very LDS. They were, they still went, not very, but I mean, they went to church, tried yeah. to keep it in the life. Um, my mom tried to keep it around. Um I end up, she sold her old house and got 10000 And I remember I, I was taking money slowly out of her wallet, like 100 bucks mm-hmm. at a time. Yeah. <laughs> I you mean, were it was, a bad boy. <laughs> I was a bad kid, <laughs> <Little> man. <laughs> but then it all, it kind of turned around a little. I got on methadone, so another harm reduction thing, or not harm reduction, but yeah. medical-assisted yeah, treatment. Yeah. And so I got on that. I was on it for seven years. I just wow. didn't do the detox of it. I did the maintenance. Yeah. And I mean, it, but it was working. And then eventually it was the hangover cure. I could go out, I could drink, mm-hmm. I could do drugs, I could do anything. But then I got my dose in the morning and I wasn't sick. Hmm. So, yeah, it just, it was all just That works for nonsense. a hangover? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I'd be hungover in the morning. And yeah, then I was, yeah, yeah. I was be, drunk all yeah. those years. I hey, didn't know I could have tried methadone. methadone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, calm. you feel like shitty in the morning. and yeah. yeah, so I took it my methadone every morning, and yeah, you'd feel fine. Hmm. It's like your day's reset. But, um, yeah, it, I went through that, and then I just got, I remember a guy telling me about methadone, and he was like, it's not the real life. Like he's all you're you're living a life in like a clouded reality. Um, he's like, you need to get off that shit someday. I think it was a guy at the clinic or something like that. One mm-hmm. of the doctor, or I think it was a guy I called on the phone or something like for help one time um, for treatment. And it is so true. It's uh, well for me at that time. It was. I mean, it does help a lot of people, but it was just becoming a crutch yeah. that I was just relying on to continue to get high and feel good about it. And I heard methadone's harder to get off of than like heroin. Yeah. So I mean, just, so what'd you do? So I went to jail a few times, and you don't get it in there unless you're on huge amounts. But I wasn't on that big of an amount. Um, <clears throat> but I finally I went into the haven. I kind of got off the methadone. I I kind of just I, my mom was helping me. My parents helped me a lot. I was very enabled. Like they would help me pay for my doses. Um, I would kind of like <laughs> cry and say, I don't have money to get high. And I get $60 from them here and there. They were just very enabling about things. So the methadone, when they stopped helping me pay for that, I couldn't dose. So that's when I got hard back into just doing meth, drinking, all that. Um, but then I went to the Haven 
back in 2014. Um, and that was kind of my first real thing of recovery. I'd never been into a treatment until then. Wow. And so I went there, um, and it worked. I mean, I was really, it made me realize a lot of my old um, things in my old, like growing up and stuff. Like we had family dinner. We had all of us together in one house. You know, I mean, it was just like, it was bringing it back. And um, we'd go to meetings. You know, I love meetings. I haven't been to a, <laughs> in a long time, but <laughs> yeah. I'm so busy, but that's no excuse. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know if it was long enough. I think the real reason, it, I think the Haven works. It's just when I got into sober living, I was still not detached from the ex. She was out there doing her thing, and she needed a place to live. So I thought I needed to be captain of the day and mm. leave my sober living where I'm doing great yeah. and save her. And, yeah, needless to say that, I think it lasted. And I think I was are, drunk that night. Where are your um, kids during this time? So my kids, when during this time, they lived with us when we were, of course, through the first part, um, I'd lost them probably halfway into it. Um, my parents took them. There was a time when my dad and them had them, but none of my family could really, at that, that age, really take care of two kids. Yeah. Um, the state was involved. Okay. And I remember when I was in the Haven, my ex was in Odyssey House, okay. and she left or she got kicked out. I'm not sure. But because of that, we, we actually... Instead of going at it separately, like we should have, the adoption, or not adoption, but the um, changing our lives, I said, no, we're a family. We're going to do this together. Mm. And because she messed up her program, I you lost. Yeah, I messed up yeah. mine, too. Even though I was doing good, I was in the Odyssey. I mean, I was in the Haven. But <clears throat> that's lesson learned. I should have went at it as a single dad. And so they the state was came in the state took them um they are now adopted out into a home okay. uh family lives in sandy i don't get to see them just because um i don't know it's not really a closed adoption like yeah. i mean the family said if i'm still waiting but i mean they said if i was sober i could be involved but you know i know they're safe i know they're happy um and so i really don't push things right now yeah I have an older daughter that I had when I first started drugs. She lives out of state. I have a good relationship with her. Um, You're a good man. Thank you. Thank You're you so dad. much. <laughs> so how did you, so you get back with your wife, you relapse after the Haven. Right. Then Got back with her. And then um, we basically just did drugs and it got out of control. Um, I couldn't take care of the place we were in and I became homeless and I'd been homeless before this. Obviously, that's when I went to the Haven. But, um, yeah, I, over I, probably four years stand of homelessness. But So I was back on the streets, and I'm just using drugs downtown by the shelter. Mm. So you were down on the block. Yep, down on the yeah. block. Um, Did you run into Rachel when she I was know. down on the block? <laughs> I don't know. I think I you were probably getting sober then. I don't know. Yeah. This is about 2014. Yeah, I went in 2012, so yeah. we might have crossed paths. But I believe I'd seen other people, like my peers, like Mike and stuff. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's, very, it's interesting. It's a, it's a small yeah. little world down there, you know. So you're homeless for four years. Homeless for four different years, yeah. Just little stints. I mean, I'd go into the VOA a lot, try to mm. sober up, but it was just became a place to stay. Um, 
on the streets using, and I just, I was getting tired of this life. I realized nothing was coming of this. And so that's when I chose to go to Odyssey House. Um, it, I didn't get picked up by the diversion, that thing that went on. Right. Yeah. I was <laughs> too paranoid and scared. I wanted to get in before they got me. And so I was in the VOA. I sat in the VOA for 21 days waiting for a bed. And I remember I was, I said, I, I, I chose Odyssey House. And then I was like, well, maybe I want to do First Step. And <laughs> they said, well, Odyssey's here to get you. This was a day I was supposed to be admitted. And I was okay. like, ah, shit. I was like, well, let's go. You know, and I, now that I think back, I'm grateful I didn't do First Step. I just knew I was trying to cut it short, like give myself the easy way out. Mm-hmm. And not saying, I mean, First Step's a great program, I'm sure, but... I needed Odyssey. I needed the hard. Um, For those of you watching, <laughs> Odyssey is considered probably one of the strictest and hardest, Absolutely. and therefore, if you stay, one of the most successful programs. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And so, I, yeah, I, I went to Odyssey that day, and it was chaotic. I remember it was craziness. Like, it was like 100, 100-something people in one house, and I was just like, whoa, blown away by all. It was a lot different than the Haven. The Haven's small, like 18 yeah. people. Yeah. It's 100 different people. And <laughs> everyone's doing different things. And But I settled in, you know. Um, I did. I had warrants when I went there. And so I, my PO knew I was in. I called him, just was straight up with him when I was um, in the VOA. And I told him, look, I'm here at the VOA. I'm getting help. And so I went to Odyssey House, and then he actually came there and arrested me, took me to jail. Um, it was a book and release. And he's like, so now what, what you choose to do after this is up to you. And I, like I said, I was tired. I was worn out. I was tired of the life. And so I chose to stay. And I knew my family wanted the same thing for me. Um, but I finally wanted it for myself. I've always Which is been the doing key, it. Right? Yeah, right. exactly. You got to want it for yourself, or it's never going to work. And so I finally surrendered, basically, and I started work doing the program as it was um, set up. You know, different levels. Um, I moved up the levels pretty quickly because I just chose to mind my own business. Um, I think there was a few borders that I got. I uh, got involved in smoking. Imagine that. Right. (laughs) Uh, But um, I don't know. I mean, it really helped me. I mean, that program saved my life. And I, while I was in the program, I lost my mom. She, um, she would come. She was my like number one supporter. She'd come every week, visit me. And then I got a call one morning from my brother, who is also in recovery. He, he went to get some jeans for me to bring him up to the house and they'd found her dead. And so that was a that was a hard thing to deal with. And um, a lot of people would use that as an excuse yeah, to relapse. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, I'd talked to my therapist. I was, it it was a hard time. I mean, I I really didn't. I try to think back. I'm like, did I want to leave? And I I didn't really want to leave because I was that defeated. Mm-hmm. But I did feel that screw it type attitude, you know. Um, but I stayed, and I worked things out. And I mean. I just knew that my mom would be way happier the way I am now than I was then. I mean, she'd seen me through my worst. And so I stayed, worked it out. 
Um, I was in the house for about 10 months, ended up voyaging. Um, I was a voyager for seven months, and then I graduated the program in April. Uh, it was like April of 2018. Yeah. And now... And now, <laughs> he's one of the shining stars who, who works at Odyssey. Right. Tell us what you do. So and now, it's so important what you do. Right. Um, now I'm the property manager for Odyssey House. Uh, I love what I do. He, he manages. We have uh, we have a large number of units uh, available for sober living, transitional, like a, a sort of a step down kind of process when you get out yeah, of really. say residential treatment mm -hmm. before you just go out into society. There's this middle ground, which right. and you manage the whole thing. How many yeah. units? How many? So right now we have ninety different people. Um, so it's a lot. I mean, I, but I, I, I remember Michael, when I lived there, my boss, she told me, she said, I need you to be my eyes. Like I need, I need your accountability. This one, I was a client still. And I said, well, I know that that spots that a property manager position's available. <laughs> so that's kind of how that worked out. She said, okay, well, give me a chance. Um, I'd never really did actual legit jobs. Like, um, I learned everything from my, my uncle and my grandparents, um, growing up about like the skills, like plumbing, um, carpentry, every, all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, because you can do yeah. anything. So, yeah, yeah, I do a lot of stuff, but I never really did physical jobs of that. And so she that's where she was a little hesitant, like didn't know what to do. But, I mean, I think we kill it as a team together now. Mm. <laughs> and I'm very happy for you do. the things we do. And, and that also includes... Uh, it's not just you give someone an apartment and say, okay, enjoy right. your apartment. There, there's supervision Absolutely. that you do, yeah. right? Explain. Oh, yeah. So I'm with these clients day in, day out. I mean, I do a lot of the maintenance issues during the day, but, I mean, there's times at night I've had to evict people. Mm -hmm. There's times I have to go talk to them to, um, you know, calm them down. I've had numerous drugs turned into me, um, drugs, needles, anything. Um well, there's and, a support factor too, like because that step down, right. it's like that step down into the real world, which is one right. of the most important pieces right. after treatment is uh, being addressing like, oh, right. this is the next part, and this is when your recovery really right. begins, and so you bridge that gap right. with them as like that peer support piece. That's what I've for these individuals. basically. I try to. I feel I am good with them too, like Michael says, but I I try to like be there for them, like realizing mm -hmm. that. I was that person and, you know, that I can kind of understand where they're coming from. I mean, I've had a guy that when I had to go over and get with him about going to detox, um, he's like, you know, I, he's told me later now, but he's like, I, I really want to thank you for the way you handled me. He goes, you came in my room, even though I was getting high, you pulled up a chair and sat down and talked to me. He goes, I'm just, I'm used to people just yelling at me and screaming at me. And he goes, you like, and I said, well, I'm just like, I like to meet people where they're at. And like I said, I've been there, done that. And so I like to describe why, understand. you know, everybody thinks, I, th I think people who don't understand the world of addiction, they think of treatment and things like that. Right. Why is it so important to have transitional sober living? So I think transitional, so not think, I know transitional sober living is important because you're not thrown right back out into the real world right away where your neighbor could be using or drinking um, or dealing, or dealing <laughs> <laughs> something. 
I mean, you're just in a safer environment. It's, um, yeah, there's more rules in the regular than you would in your own place, but it's definitely that transition that's needed, I know, because I've done it a couple different times, to get back into the real world. I mean, I always tell people when they're searching to try to get their own place or rush out of sober living, I'm like, pump the brakes, slow down. Um, it's just an important key to before you get back out into the real world, to get some sober time behind your belt, you know, um, work on your work on yourself more before you go out there. Yeah, and there's also Rachel, help. Do, you, do you love Courtney? Oh my gosh, I'm in love with Courtney. He's fantastic, <laughs> and I've also like been able to work with Courtney. So there's been individuals that have unfortunately like gone out, and I don't even know if it's unfortunately. Everybody's journey is different, right? That have gone back out and then we've stayed in contact and got them back into treatment so instead of going back out and not having that loving support they've actually like contacted us and got right. back into treatment you know and and i think there's that there's also funding help and accountability and taking uas and stuff because we still need somewhat of that structure because then our life comes into play right like and our like bills and like adulting and all these other things and it hits you like right. once it hits you it hits you and you're back in it you know and so i think it's it's super important and i i want to know what does it do for you what does it what do like the being in this role like what does it do for you coming from the other side of it you know because you're doing yeah. this this monumental role and you're playing a very important role for all these people it really, what does it do for you as one person? It strengthens me. I mean, it makes me feel really good that I'm part of something bigger. Um, you know, I've always wanted to be in something like handyman type things, but at the same time, um, work in recovery and work with addicts so closely that I can be on their level and like help them out. Like, I mean, we're almost at the front of the lines, you know, I mean, other than our, where we are, I mean, VOA would be the the front lines, real front right, the real line. front lines, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, it's just, it makes me feel real happy. It makes me feel um, grateful that I could be part of something like this. Um, I've always, when I went through the program, I wanted to work for Odyssey. Hmm. And it was just, I like the stars were lining up. I mean, this, everything just happened at the appropriate time. The job became available. I got the job and I love everything I do. Well, Odyssey, Odyssey loves having you. The reason I ask you if you yeah. love him is it, Courtney's a big guy, and he, and he can be pretty imposing. And I suppose if I was out down on the block with you, and I wouldn't want to fight you over some heroin or something, but you, are, I, I can tell you universally, because I know people in all aspects of Odyssey, that you right. are a beloved person, yeah. and you're Thanks. a gentle giant. Thank you. You know. I was a lot smaller back then, by the way, on the streets. Really? <laughs> I was like, I think I was down to like 167 pounds. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was well, really skinny, man. He, he loves to eat. I've, uh, yeah. I see, food's I see posts on, on Facebook <laughs> where he'll show the meal that he's going to eat that night, and I'm sitting at home looking at that, and I go, wow, wow. So, well, he's a big guy. What can I say? How do you, I mean, is, is, is what we see is what we get, that you are a gentle, loving person? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a totally different person sober than I was. Obviously, we all are. But, I mean, that's just how I am. I mean, I just want to be this guy that can help people. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's just, I am the gentle giant. What <laughs> I'm do like you, a little teddy bear. 
what do you do for your own sobriety? So you're embedded, right? Like around with Odyssey right. and stuff. Well, what do you do to keep your own smile and for your own recovery? So I do like to make self time for self-care. Yeah. Um, I, I'm highly involved in softball. Like I said, I play on the first softball team that we had going. Um, we have two teams now. Um, I get involved in the bowling during the off-season of softball. Mm. Um, I should hit more meetings than I do, but... I, Same I'm here. tired a lot, man. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm worn I, out. <laughs> I maintain that that working in the environment that we do, yeah. I, to me, that's part it's of like my recovery. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, mm-hmm. you're you're really dealing with it every day, right? You know? And right. you're thinking about other people right. and helping them get recovery. So in a way, you're helping yourself, right? right. Yeah. You know. I mean, I have like a lot of supports around me. Like my brother, a lot of my brothers are in recovery. Mm. Um, real brothers um, so they're they're there I mean I've actually pulled my brother my other brother out to come play softball mm. my other brother does his own thing like into meditation and stuff like that but yeah I don't know I just find time for myself you know I mean I you got to make sure you're taking care of yourself to keep yourself happy um, that's the main thing I think about it yeah well we're out of time uh, before before we leave uh, Adam Cohen, our CEO, wanted me to get you to sign a 10-year commitment to stay <laughs> at Odyssey House. So we'll do that right. No, I'm just Absolutely. kidding. Absolutely. <laughs> Courtney Beckstead is a really beloved mm-hmm. member of the Odyssey treatment team and performs such an important function. And yeah. thank you for being here and sharing, for having me. sharing your it. life. And, and the goal of this is not to... Not to say, oh my God, what a horrible <laughs> life he had, and now he's now he's sober. But hope, hopefully, inspire yes, other people. Right. That's what I like know. to do. I should share, should share my story more. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I get so tied up. I remember Matt hit me up a long time ago, and I was like, oh, I'm busy right now. It just yeah. never came to, and no, yeah. but I'm more than happy to. So, thank Great. you. Good. Thank and he you. gives really good hugs. If you ever need a hug, go to Courtney. Because Rachel's small and he's big, and so <laughs> he can wrap his arms around right there. there. <laughs> Thanks, Courtney. Thanks, Rachel. And thank you thank for you. watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.